1: Welcome to the 39th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. We would like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Digital War Room, one of the leading platforms for e-discovery.
0: And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is what should lawyers know about information governance? A conversation with Jason R. Barron. We're delighted to welcome our friend, Jason Barron, as our guest today. Jason serves as of counsel to the Information Governance and e Discovery Practice Group at the law firm of Drinker, Biddle, and Reith in Washington, D.C. His prior career in the Federal Service included acting as trial lawyer and senior counsel at the Department of Justice and for the past 13 years as director of litigation at the U.S. National Archives and Records Administration. Jason is an internationally recognized speaker on the subject of electronic records. Among his many awards, while in public service, Jason has been honored with the Emmett Leahy Award in 2011 for his lifetime achievements in information and records management. He was also recognized by the American Lawyer in 2013 as one of 6 eDiscovery trailblazers for his founding of the Trek Legal Track, as well as for his work with the Sedona Conference. That's quite some accomplishment, Jason. Thanks for uh, joining us today.
2: Well, I'm delighted, John and Sharon, and I am an avid reader religiously reading your blog, Ride the Lightning, so happy to be part of this podcast.
0: All right, Jason, we have to ask this. You had such an amazing job with the National Archives, so why did you leave government?
2: Well, that is a question that some people have been asking me. I spent 33 years in government, and I had really a great 13 years at the National Archives, but I had done everything that I wanted to accomplish in terms of policy work at the intersection of law and policy, and I wanted to uh, try out some ideas that I had and be able to to do things outside of government. And so I retired, and a couple days later got this job at Drinker Biddle, and I'm very happily engaged in thinking about information governance and other related topics for not only the private sector, but also hopefully for continuing dialogue with the public sector as well.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you for the kind words about my blog. That makes it a little bit easier to keep putting in the time at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is when I always seem to be working on it. Uh, And I want, want to commend to our listeners that there is a wonderful article about Jason that appeared in Law Technology News on October the 7th about the fact that he went to the private sector. Really well worth looking up, so take a look at that. And then I did want to ask you, because I get asked this all the time, how do you define information governance in a world? where so many people seem to think that information is, in fact, ungovernable.
2: <laughs> yeah, that may well be part of the problem that so many people have, in corporations and institutions, kind of given up or at least consider the idea of governing information to be something to be put aside for the urgent problems of the day. But we can have a conversation here about maybe getting past that. Uh, information governance has been defined by Gartner, and it's been defined uh, by Armin. I think those are good definitions to look up. I am very content with a definition that is in the new Sedona Conference commentary on information governance that is free and downloadable to everyone listening here to go to the Sedona Conference publications page. What the executive summary in that document says is that information governance encompasses and reconciles the various legal and compliance requirements and risks addressed by different information-focused disciplines, such as records and information management, data privacy, information security, and e-discovery. So it is a, a kind of combined discipline that, by its very nature, points people in the direction of having a conversation within an organization, thinking holistically, thinking across the enterprise as to how to govern data in various respects. E-discovery is one important aspect, but it's not the only
0: one. Since you opened that door, Jason, can you elaborate a little bit more? How does e-discovery fit into this whole information governance uh, realm?
2: Well, I am of course lawyer centric since I have spent my time for 30 plus years as a trial lawyer and as a as a practitioner closely aligned with records and access issues in the government. So I I really do think that there's a very close tie. But those of us that are in the e-discovery world for the last decade realized from the beginning that foundationally One needs to think about controlling information in new and better ways. Organizations that don't do a good job at the creation and the life cycle of information are going to be three steps behind when it comes to an urgent access request for information. And so e-discovery is a part of the IG equation, but it's not the whole ball of wax. One increasingly has conversations in the legal space where lawyers understand or should understand that if you think of the EDRM model, you go leftward. You think about information management as a foundational aspect of the entire world, and we need to build on good IG practices to do e-discovery better.
1: Well, you know, we do a lot of lecturing for ARMA and similar groups, and I always get the feeling that they feel like they don't get any respect, these record managers of ours. So how does the record keeping fit in? Because I think it deserves more value than people seem to place on it.
2: Yes, I agree. And I have stood up at ARMA and been a champion of records managers. I do not consider myself in the camp that records management is passé i think we need to have new skill sets and because of the new tools that are available and so when i champion record keeping it is record keeping with an eye towards being sort of the best of breed in the space using the best technologies that are out there to minimize the burden on end users and we all have lived in this world where we're increasingly in a big data world, where we have lots of stuff coming at us in all sorts of forms and varieties at our desktop. And we can't possibly, as end users, be expected to be records managers. We need to find mechanisms that are, I believe, technology-based to improve record-keeping practices in the private sector and the public sector. And we still need records managers, but they need to understand technology well enough so that they can be part of the team that solves IT problems when agencies in the public sector or organizations are going to the cloud and still need to retain data and information for record-keeping purposes. So I think it's very important. It's another piece of the IG puzzle.
0: So Jason, what other prominent aspects of IG exist besides the two that we've talked about so far?
2: So it it is, uh, of course, as I mentioned in the opening definition, clearly privacy and security aspects of the IG world have become just ever more prominent. We could throw out the words, I mean, I have two words for you, Edward Snowden. And (laughs) uh, we all live in a world of potential data breaches. We all live in a world where we are overwhelmed by the task of segregating out that which is private or proprietary or privileged from the greater mass of data that exists. And so the keys to the kingdom in terms of good IG practices and things that lawyers should be thinking about is how to do that segregation task well. And there are many efforts in many places to find software solutions to be able to do a better job of filtering out information which really shouldn't be open to the world. So that's on the privacy side and, of course, on the security side. You can't do anything other than pick up a paper and realize that there are huge issues involving data security. I do believe, however, I am in the camp that the cloud does not necessarily increase the risk involved in IG governance. There are issues in the cloud and there are security issues, but there are security issues everywhere, uh, whether you're in a siloed forum in an organization with hacking in or in a cloud environment. You just need to deal with it.
1: That is for sure. We were just talking today about the fact that the recent revelations, and yes, you're right to use the word Edward Snowden, about the NSA intercepting Cisco and Dell products and inserting spyware on them. So it is a very scary world, and it's hard to secure, that's for sure. So maybe you could give us some good examples of what might constitute excellent or terrible information governance practices, because I think often people, especially if they're not in records management, they don't really know
2: Yes. Well, from the e-discovery world that I have traveled in, a bad day is when a judge sanctions you as a lawyer or sanctions your client for failing to capture information, to spoliate evidence, destroy evidence that should have been part of a lawsuit. And there are those sanctions that exist in the world. We have many cases short of sanctions where Courts have, have penalized parties in other ways, and it is for everyone on the call here to weigh in for your own organization to understand that what I consider sort of black swan events are out there. We all discount the risk of something bad happening in our data set. But I think we owe it as a duty, maybe not a fiduciary duty, but certainly as a duty to our own organizations to see how we can get past these bad examples as one class of objects. What comes to mind from the government space is the Fatty May litigation where an agency spent up to 9% of its budget and millions of dollars to restore backup tapes and still was held in contempt both at the district court and the court of appeals level and there are many examples out there in the space what is a good example so that's a bad example you know of of planning ahead and you never want to be relying on backup tapes anyway that's a terrible terrible way to do information governance record keeping what is a good example in the space is where under any kind of maturity model arma has a maturity model that i recommend to people listening go look at, under a maturity model where an organization is proactively taking the steps as a matter of procedural reform inside the organization, as well as substantively to talk through issues that affect the entire enterprise. And that usually means a champion to be interested in the information governance space and it also means that one needs to potentially have a council of sorts or a committee ad hoc as it were with a champion and others who represent the various disciplines across the enterprise there are a lot of people saying this. how it actually gets done is very difficult in particular situations but i do have one shining example of what I hope is going to be a model of good information governance, and it's ironic for me to say, because everyone seems to always be down on federal agencies, but when I worked at the National Archives, my boss, Gary Stern, general counsel, went to OMB, and OMB, through Cass Sunstein, went to President Obama, and President Obama issued a memorandum in 2011 to the government at large, saying that one needs to manage government records better now if we can get to president obama who is the ultimate c-suite for the United States in terms of a person in charge, I think everyone on this podcast listening can find a champion within their own organization to write the memorandum that is the lightning bolt that gets people interested or form a committee to have a, an honest discussion across the space uh, in ways that go beyond the siloed components that we're all used to.
0: Well, great stuff Jason, but before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, the Digital War Room platform for e-discovery.
2: Don't be caught unprepared for e-discovery. Digital War Room e-discovery software allows you to search, review, mark, and produce responsive email and documents. Powerful enough for your biggest cases, but easy enough for first-time e-discovery attorneys. Geeks need not apply. Digital War Room has a solution for every client, every case, and every budget. Visit www.digitalwarroom.com for a free trial and see how easy
0: e-discovery can be. Make your next case your best case with Digital War Room.
1: Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking about what lawyers should know about information governance with Jason Barron, who is a nationally recognized expert in this area.
0: I don't know how we can follow up on your President Obama story there, Jason, but besides that, how do we get senior leadership interested in information governance?
2: Well, if I knew that, I would be (laughs) tremendously valuable at my law firm. (laughs) You're valuable already, Jason. I really would like to be a continuing cheerleader on this subject. I don't believe that standing up as a trial lawyer and telling e-discovery horror stories is enough. I think what one needs to have is an honest conversation about what value better technologies in the space and better interdisciplinary processes will have. I was part of an earlier Sedona Conference commentary that I is uh, kind of like a movie that went to Netflix. I'm not sure very many people know it, but you should check it out. The people listening called Finding the Hidden ROI in Information Assets. And that paper, that's freely available on the Sedota site, cited in the new Information Governance uh, Commentary. What we tried to say is that there's real positive value to an organization to really know what it knows. Organizations don't know what they know because they don't know what, everybody is doing within the organization. And so if you put together a team and show that a particular component that's working on some innovative practice, they might have a patent that's recognized by another portion of the organization, there may be ways to do kind of cross-selling in this space where it's obvious that technologies that are used in one component could be used in another and workflow processes. But you can't have that conversation if everybody's siloed. So I'm not sure that the answer to the senior leadership question is just telling horror stories. I think you need to make a business case why the organization as a whole should be interested.
1: Well, I think it's also difficult to become competent in this area, and certainly a lot of the C-suite people are not. It all seems so overwhelming. So how does one become competent in this, maybe both at the C-suite level, because they need one level, and to be a records manager or or some other part of this whole IG thing? How do they do that?
2: It's another difficult question, and I certainly don't have one path forward. I think we sort of in the e-discovery world we are having a very interesting conversation at the moment both of Sedona and elsewhere in the profession because there's new rules for lawyers that talk about at least the rules in the ABA talk about as a model professional discipline that you be technologically competent that you at least understand technology in your practice as a comment to the professional rules of responsibility and How that plays out, well, we're just sort of at the beginning stages of having that conversation. Now, in the competence in the IG practice, I think foundationally would have to include, as a lawyer, understanding what has transpired since 2006 in the e-discovery space. And there are hundreds of places on the web and many CLE forums to get up to speed in your own organization to become the e-discovery go-to person. Or to at least have a better handle on it. Beyond that, we are all struggling to figure out a path forward for what makes an IG competent person. I know ARMA has a new certification of an IG practitioner, IGP certificate. That may well be something that some interested listeners on this call would want to explore. It's very much like a CRM designation. For lawyers, I'm not so much interested in certificates as such. I'm interested in a basic skill set that supplements what we have learned in our own practices. But what we learn in law school is not going to be relevant to the conversation here because law schools are way behind in terms of even touching the field of e-discovery, let alone information governance. There are very few courses out there that touch on the kind of things that the commentaries that I'm talking about have. So there's a large educational task, but that also means an open field for the people on this call to be the experts in their organizations to show competence beyond the usual. The one thing I would say is read the Sedona Commentary as a baseline, see what cases are cited, see what principles are cited, and then look at ARMA and go from there.
0: Jason, do you see any differences between the private and public sectors when we're talking about information governance?
2: Well, remarkably, I see something that is very much the same, which is we are all being overwhelmed by data. The exponential curve, the inflationary universe we're in, has no end in sight. So that affects all organizations that all have too much data and need to be thinking about ways to categorize, and ways to do data remediation, and that's true across the board. Having said that, there are very special rules that function in the public sector area that I lived in for so long, including the Freedom of Information Act, the Federal Records Act, and a host of sunshine and other e-government act rules, statutes, and regulations that need to be paid attention to so that there is a sufficient level of transparency with respect to data in those organizations.
1: Well, I'm going to put you, Jason, in a a fortune teller's booth, and I'm going to hand you a crystal ball, which might be a little bit murky, but I'm going to ask you to do your best to predict for us what the future of information governance might look like.
2: Yes. Okay. I have my crystal ball out. I think <laughs> what I have recognized for a long time is that there is a curve that is existing in our world about technology and the curve as should be apparent to everyone but it's almost, you know, uh, mundane to say it is that we live in a world of ever more accelerating technological change. What we see in the e-discovery space in the last 10 years is a move from manual searching to keyword searching to a new form of document review that is based on technology-assisted methods like predictive coding and other terms for it, where we're leveraging technology in the space. What I'd like to say is that over the next two to five years, there's going to be a push for analytics In information governance. And so the equivalent of Dustin Hoffman being whispered to in The Graduate with the word plastics, I would say is the word analytics. And the lawyer who understands analytics and can apply principles to legal issues that come up that the clients have concern, whether it's a matter of business intelligence or records management or what have you is going to have a leg up. And so that's what I see for the, the short term. The longer term, well, it's, it's very hard to predict. I do know that one effort that I was part of at the National Archives was to lay down a marker that by 2019, the National Archives will only accept digital records as permanent records of the United States. No more paper going forward after 2019 as a day forward matter. That's exciting in the public sector space, and I'd like to be part of that conversation going forward. So that's a little further in the crystal ball. I do see that AI and technology is going to help solve our IG problems, and we should all be aware of it.
1: Well, I'll let you put your crystal ball away and just say thank you so much for joining us today. Jason is always on the road. He's speaking. He's at conferences. He's attending. He's speaking. He's doing all these various things in addition to writing and teaching. You really are a scholar in this area, and we've enjoyed very much having you be here to share your thoughts with our audience. I also want to encourage you the next time you're in the D.C. area to stop by Fairfax and see us. We know from our pre-podcast conversation that you missed out on law firm Bagel. This morning, so I want to assure you that if you come for a visit here, we will provide the bagels for you. Great. Thank you very <laughs> thank you very much, Jason. Thank you.
0: That does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes.
1: And you can find more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and security services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives.
0: Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.